Amen. The last few weeks, we've been talking about developing deep and broad roots in our relationship with God, and that's no easy or light matter. And, and one of the things that we've talked about is the fact that it takes a lot of time. This is not something that we can just make happen this week. All we can really do is create the right conditions and then allow those roots to grow deep and broadly and develop a relationship that will carry us through our lives and will anchor us when times are difficult and will nourish our souls when we need it. So we're working on how we develop those right conditions. And one of the things that's good for us as we do that is to do some evaluation of our practices that might help us grow in our relationship with God. And it's important to do evaluation because if we don't, we just keep doing the same things that we've always done. And, and if we do that, we might miss something important. So we can make a couple mistakes. One of the things that we do when we don't ever evaluate is we keep doing something the same way even though there might be better ways to do it. So it's a good thing to do, but if we just sat back and thought it through a little bit, we might realize, okay, if I make this change, I'm going to grow deeper and broader in my relationship with God. Or we might also go, you know what? This is not really helping at all. I need to do something totally different. But without the time to do the evaluation, we never get to the point of changing anything. So today, I want us to allow Scripture to take us through some evaluation. And the passage we're going to look at is Psalm 150. We'll get there in a minute, but it talks a lot about worship. Now, we've been in the Psalms during this series, and we've been thinking about this great ancient worship language. And so it's good for us to allow that worship language to speak to how we do worship. Now, worship takes place in this room. Worship takes place in our lives. But it's good for us to say, okay, we come here like every Sunday. Maybe you've been doing that a long time, but, but why? And what might make it better? So what does Scripture have to say about that? And so we're going to look at that. Psalm 150, the very last psalm. If you'd like to turn there, it's pretty easy to find. Psalms are usually right in the middle of the Bible. You come to the very last one, and it's, in, and it's Psalm 150. It's a very short psalm, and it speaks really to what worship looks like. It's a great psalm. I don't think it's any accident that when the compilers were putting all these psalms together, and they probably pulled from lots of sources and psalms that were in existence, and they made this book that we call psalms, they put this one last because in many ways it brings a lot of the themes that are working their way all through that other 149 psalms and puts it in one final summation or chorus that really lays out what worship is. And so I want us to take this apart a little bit today and allow it to speak to us as Christians worshiping many, many years, hundreds of years after this psalm was written and help us to see who this God is that we worship, why we worship Him, and maybe how we can change some mindsets that will help us develop deep roots. Now, truth is, we could do a whole series on worship and think through the parts of worship, what worship means, and, and we don't have time to do all that today. So what I want us to think primarily about is just the relationship between our worship and our rootedness in God, our relationship with God. So we're looking specifically at that. So Psalm 150, it begins with these words, some words that 
that you might know even if you saw it in the original language. Here goes, Psalm 50 verse, 150 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Now one of the things that's interesting about Psalm 150 is the very first line is the same as the last line. They are identical. So it begins and ends with the same word. It's a Hebrew word, and you know it. Now you might say, I don't know any Hebrew. Well, you know this one, okay? Because you've sung it, you've said it many times before. It's this word, hallelujah. Okay, maybe you didn't even know that was a Hebrew word, but it is. Let's take it apart to see what it means. If you take the parts apart, you get hallelujah and Yah, and what that is is the word for praise, hallelujah, and then the shortened word for Yahweh, the name, the personal name of God that the Israelites used. So, praise Yahweh, and finally in English we would say praise the Lord. So, maybe you didn't even know when you were saying hallelujah, that's what it means. You just thought it was some kind of worship word. Well, what it means literally is praise the Lord. So we begin the psalm, we end the psalm with those words, praise the Lord. But in verse 1, it says, praise God in his sanctuary and in his mighty heavens. What that's saying is, praise God wherever, because sanctuary is literally holy place. Okay, when you hear that, some of you are thinking that sounds like the temple, because the, the building that really was the temple, there's all these courtyards, but the building contained the holy place and the most holy place. This was the intersection of heaven and earth, God's dwelling place. This was the most sacred place on earth in ancient Israel. Okay? And holy place could mean that, or it could mean God's home in heaven. So one of the two. But then when it says, in the mighty heavens, we're talking about everything that is. We're talking about sun, moon, stars, all the objects in the sky. So ultimately, the psalmist... Okay, the psalmist is in worship, and he is calling the people of God to worship. So a call to worship really is to call people into worship. So in the context of worship, he's inviting them to worship, and he says the way you start is, praise the Lord. And I want every being that is, in heaven, on earth, in all creation, every being is now invited in to worship. And the next question is, why? Verse 2 answers that question. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Now, we could spend a lot of time listing the reasons that we should praise God. Okay, We could go on all afternoon, all week. We could spend the rest of our lives just listing those reasons. But what the psalmist has done here is given us two categories. And virtually every reason that we could think of to praise God fits in one of these two categories. And the first is, praise Him for His acts of power. In other words, praise God for what He's done. Okay? Praise God for what He's done. Last week, we talked about a lot about reciting or recounting the mighty acts of God. Well, the psalmist is picking that up again. Praise God for what he's done. All his mighty acts, whether it's creation, whether it's Jesus, whether it's something he's done in your life this week or even this morning, those are all God's mighty acts. It refers to what we sometimes call salvation history. So everything that God has done through the, his people Israel, through Jesus, through the church, 
that brings us to salvation in Him. Praise God for that. So we praise God for what He's done, but that's not all. Sometimes that's all we do. He says also to praise Him for His surpassing greatness. In other words, who God is. Because God is all-powerful. Because He's all-knowing. Because He's omnipresent, we say He is everywhere at once. In all time, in all places, at one time, that's God. Because He is completely good and pure. Because that's the God we're talking about. Even if He didn't do anything for us, He would still deserve our praise. Now, he has done all these things, but just God's being, because of who he is, he deserves us gathering together as a group, as a church, and lifting up his name. But the psalmist says we should worship God for what he's done and for who he is. How do we do that? The psalmist also lays that out, and he spends three verses talking about it, verses three through five. Someone says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. You know, as I read that, what strikes me is our worship seems a little tame compared to all that, right? There's a lot of stuff going on there that we don't use. But I think what the psalmist is ultimately saying is, Whatever your giftedness is, whatever you've got that you can do, use it to praise God. Now, worship was a little bit different in the temple and in the Old Testament than it is as the church worshiping Jesus. So we could look at some things that the New Testament says about worship and that'd be good. But here what we're getting is worship is really filled with more variety and diversity than we might at first think. Psalmist says, whatever instrument you got that you can use to praise God, bring it on. Let's use it. If you've got a voice, praise God with your voice. If you can dance, and now we're getting in dangerous territory, right? If you can dance, praise God with that too. And the truth is that if we look at churches in our community, it's going to look all different. But if we look around the world, what we'll see is an incredible diversity of the ways that Christians have gathered on this day and will gather in the rest of this day to worship God. And they're going to use instruments that we don't even know, and they're going to sing, and some of them are going to dance, and it will be beautiful. There is a great diversity that we should see in worshiping this God for who he is and for what he's done. And it's good for us to explore new ways to worship. And then the psalmist brings it all together in the very last verse of this psalm, but what forms the last verse of all the psalms, sort of resounding all the way back to chapter 1, is this line, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then that last line, hallelujah, or praise the Lord. So every being, every living being throughout the universe is called to praise God. Praise this specific God, the God of Israel, and for us, the God of Jesus, the God of creation, the God of salvation and eternal life. Praise this Lord. Okay? So the psalmist says all of that, and, and then we think, okay, what is this, 
What does this teach us? As we're thinking about evaluating how we do worship, how, how I do worship, as we're thinking about how this helps us to develop deep and broad roots in our relationship with God, what does it teach us? And I think the, the basic one-line message is worship is for everyone. Okay, we, we might say, you know, I, I do my God thing on my own. I serve God. I'm a pretty good person. I don't really need, like, I don't need to go to church, right? Or I, I don't know that worship is at the heart of it for me. I pray some. And, but what this psalm is saying is every being, every human is called into worship. And in fact, it's pointing to the reality that we as human beings were created for worship. It's part of how we were made, that we were designed to worship God. So when we say, I'm not going to do that, I don't want to worship, I don't feel like it, it's not part of who I am, we are saying a big chunk of what we were created to do is being ripped out. But if we want to develop deep roots in our relationship with God, part of what we've got, <clears throat> got to do is to worship. Now, I think there's some ways that we can apply this and put this to work in our lives. The general truth is worship is for everyone. We're all called to worship. But as we get more specific, we might say we're called to worship as a body. Now, when the psalmist speaks out from the context of worship and he calls the people to worship, he's not just calling individuals, hey, you over there and you over there. He is calling the people of God, and for him that meant Israel, He's calling them to worship as a people. And when we gather in this room, we are being called together to worship as the church, the body of Christ. Okay, we have been, we've been brought into one body, the body of Christ, living on earth as his expression to the rest of humanity and the rest of creation of God himself. We are being called together to worship as a body. So worship is not just something I do by myself. We'll, we'll talk about personal worship in just a minute. But a big chunk of this is we are called to worship as a community of faith. And that helps us develop deep and broad roots together. Okay? We have connections with God and we connect with one another. This is a shared experience. When we walk out of this place today, it will always be there. We may not remember this Sunday, but... But as we add up those Sundays, they have an impact on who we are and the fact that we have been here together in this place changes us. So part of the way we need to understand worship and rethink our understanding of worship is that it is something that we do together and that changes us. But it is not just what we do in this room between these walls on 830, at 8.30 and 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Worship is bigger than that. So when we leave this place and we go back into life, that's worship too. Sometimes we get that messed up on both sides. Sometimes we just think this is, this is the place for worship and then we do the, you know, like real life out there. But they're both real. And they're both real worship. And so the way we interact with people at work and the way we interact with our families at home our spouses, our kids, our parents, grandparents, grandchildren, that can be worship. The way we interact with people at school, all these things should be worship in that they are giving glory 
to God. We were created for worship, and that includes all of life. So when we think about worship and evaluate worship, it's more than what we do here. So it's up to each of us as individuals to say, you know, am I making Monday through Saturday worship, or is worship just Sunday morning? Is it bigger than that or no? That's one way to think about worship and evaluate it. Am I honoring this God who's done these incredible things? Am I honoring this God for what He's done and who He is on a daily basis? Is that changing who I am? And when we begin to recount those mighty acts and talk about the nature of God in our prayer and in our lives, it can all become worship and we develop deep roots from that. So worship is what happens in here and it is also what happens out there as individuals. So, last one. Focus on who God is. I mean, the psalmist reminds us of that. And this is not the only psalm that does that. We see it in lots of places. This is all about God. You see, it's easy for us to think worship is about me, right? I mean, worship's about what I like and the songs I'd like to sing, the way I'd like to sing them. The message I need to hear, the prayers I'd like to be said, I'd like to make that all about me. But when we say worship is about God, worship is about pointing to God and saying He's the one, it takes the emphasis off me. And that runs counter to our whole culture. Because our culture says what I like matters. Our culture says this is all about making me happy. And when we gather for worship, it should resonate with us, right? It should matter, but it's not just about pleasing me. It's about pleasing God. And it's easy for us to get caught up in, did I like that? Well, number one, that's not the issue, right? If we're going to evaluate that, it'd be more like, did that lead us to worship? Did that, did that lead us to a connection with this God who's done so much and who is so truly awesome. And if it did, then it was successful. And it might help us focus more on what we're called to do than whether it's something we like or not. So it's good for us to think that through. But here's the thing I know from this psalm. We will never have the deep and broad rooted connectedness to God that we need if we don't worship. And so you and I are called to, to this room. You and I are called to be with the people of God, whether it's here or somewhere else. And you and I are called to go into life and make all of that worship. And, and I'm glad you're here today. And I'm glad we could worship together. And I do believe it changes us. And I'm glad that God goes with you through His Spirit from this place and transforms your relationships and transforms the ways you live your life so that all of that can be worship as well. Because the truth is, this is what we were created for. Worship is for every single one of us. Let's pray together. Now, worship is a gift, and we're so thankful for it. We're thankful for this psalm that reminds us to praise you. To praise you as creator, to praise you as the sustainer of life, to praise you as our savior, our redeemer, the one who gives us eternal life. 
And so, God, we want to go on and on and talk about who you are and what you've done. And we want to worship you with everything we've got. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship some more. Let's stand.